Hi, I'm Colin Lowe and welcome to the Suffolk Money Podcast. Now, lots of us love board games, uh, from Monopoly to Scrabble to Trivial Pursuit. But for our guest this week on the podcast, which is supported by Kingsfleet, um, there's something of an obsession. His name is John Mariani a games developer and highly successful entrepreneur from Ipswich who spends his days thinking up new ideas and researching thousands upon thousands of fiendishly difficult quiz questions. Kevin Birch has been to meet him. John Mariani, lovely to be with you. You you were telling me when we were chatting a few days ago that this time of year is frantic. That's because, I think, of the toy fairs. That's right. So just give us an idea, an insight into what what your world is like. Well, um, firstly, Christmas is very quiet for us because we've delivered all the games to the companies in July, August. Toy fair firstly starts in Hong Kong, mid-January. Then it's London, end of January. Then it's Nuremberg, which is on now beginning of Feb, and then the New York Toy Fair. Wow, so they all come literally on top of That's each other. Right. You have to have all your games ideas ready to present all the retailers for the UK Toy Fair, and then you go to Nuremberg and New York to show your ideas to other countries. And do you find generally that these toy fairs, I mean, they must be, else you wouldn't do them, that they are worth your while... And what do you, is it just being seen in that environment? Is it actual sales? What do you really get out of it? You don't get sales at the fair. All the main buyers need to come and see that you're there, who you are, you present, and then they, the next few months is when they make all their decisions. But if you're not at Toy Fair, you're quickly forgotten. But the investment, you know, we can spend upwards of 50, 60, 70,000 pounds just for a stand. So you have to make it count. And, and accommodation, accommodation. Oh gosh, well. flights, everything. Yeah, a toy fair season will will cost you. I remember one year when we were doing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and we were in quite a few countries, a quarter of a million pounds just on exhibiting. Um, you and I have a connection. We right. were both at school together, absolutely, which is lovely. Both both boys of Northgate Grammar, absolutely. Um, when you left there, I don't know about you, but I didn't really have a clue in my head no, what I wanted to do. I still don't. Were you the <laughs> well, you're done all right. Was there anything in your head that you thought, that, um, that's the career for me? Yeah, I didn't want to go to university. I wanted to do import-export. So I joined a... Um, I left school on a Friday, and Monday I started work for Jamar, a shipping company in Felixstowe. And I loved it. I had three lovely years there. And what was it about that? Just again, was it was it shifting... Things <laughs> working international because um, being able to use my languages, um, I just just like the worldwide trading. That was what gave you the buzz. Yeah, and you mentioned the languages because we should say your heritage is Italian. Yes, I'm Italian. Um, so I spoke Italian when I first started school. It was really difficult when I was younger. I uh, speak English because I speak Italian. I am fluent in Spanish and I speak French and German. And what was the family drive like? Were your parents like? Well, did they yeah. push you in a certain direction. <laughs> you know, I great admirer of my mum and dad. They came from Italy with nothing in the fifties, absolutely nothing. Uh, there was no work in central Italy, so the whole family had to leave. Um, a lot of my family, though, ended up in Monaco. My parents chose Ipswich. Um, <laughs> 
which is not <laughs> give, give but, him the choice. Hey. <laughs> but no, um, and and, the, and Dad started up doing the Italian thing. Worked in a factory. Got enough money together to buy an ice cream man. Then he got enough money together to buy a fish and chip shop. And it's fish and chips has been the business, and they've done so well in life. And one should say in Ipswich, as we know, there's a really strong Italian community, hasn't there? I mean, Very much. Your dad and lots like him did yeah, that journey. They did uh, in Ipswich, about two hundred Italian families. Yeah, they all kept, same story. No work in Italy, came here to work and make a better life for themselves and their children. And what was the work ethic like from particular dad? Oh gosh. Oh, gosh. I mean, when I was at school, um, in the mornings I'd help before school, get the potatoes ready. Uh, then I'd go to school, then I'd come back, then I'd help in the shop, I'd help wrap up and, until about 10, 11 at night. It was like that. And then weekends, working all the time. Yeah, never stop. Never. And you always felt, from talking to you when we were speaking earlier, you, you, you clearly felt that... Uh, I suppose that devotion to the family business, that was something that was expected of, of you? Very much. Uh, it wasn't expected. Um, I I used to work all the time in chip shop and that would have been a great business for me to carry on in. But my path has gone different ways. But even when I was uh, later on in years working for Trivial Pursuit, I would work in a chip shop. And for eight years, my six days a week, I would start at eight in the morning in the chip shop and work till two, frying. Two o'clock Barbados time, where Trivial Pursuit head office was, I would work Trivial Pursuit from two till eight, and then from eight till midnight, frying in the chip shop again. And I did that for eight years. It was crazy. Non-stop. Non-stop. And then, so when, when did you hit that point where you suddenly thought, it's board games, board games, board games? Well, board games by, by those later years had, be, had become really successful. We'd gained the rights to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And I, I had to devote to board games. And my parents were older, so we decided to sell the shop. Yeah, it's a shame because it was such a good fish and chip shop. And I can't find great fish and chips anymore. <laughs> I got old, bro, but I, it's difficult to find. Uh, and as we've hinted at already, um, the thrust of what we talk about is about board games. Yep. Where did that come from? Did, did you play games as Never. a family? Never, ever played games. Um it happened when I lived in the States. I lived in St. Louis for three years. I went to America after my shipping work. Uh, I got a job with Rolex in St. Louis. And I was only 21, but I used my Englishness, and it really helped. And I became the manager of the St. Louis store. Uh, it was there that Trivial Pursuit came out that first year. And I really liked the game. And when I came back to England after three years to work in Mom and Dad's chip shop, my dad's accountant was also the accountant for Serif, uh, for John Pryke's company, who, create, who got the rights to Trivial Pursuit. And they were looking for someone to write the Italian edition. I said, I can do this. And so I was up against a team from Milan and a guy in Rome, and we all had to write trivial questions. But unfortunately for them, I had the American edition, so I chose the best questions and wrote them in Italian. And so when, they, when the guys in Canada got all our questions back, translated back to English, they said, this guy's really good, he's just like us. Well, duh, you know. I, <laughs> it was a bit, bit cheeky, but I, I, I got to write the Italian edition, and because of my languages, they then hired me um, and said, we want you to find a writer in every country in Europe to write the European editions, and I would help them, I'd teach them, I'd write questions for them. 
Um, it was good. And has that been a, a repeating thing in your career, this being in the right place at the right time? Because I have been very lucky. Yeah. I, I have. I, I've, I've been very lucky. People say, you know, if you work hard, the luckier you get. But I, I don't know. I've just been fortunate. I... But but it's a constant with me. I'm always thinking, seeing what games I can invent. What I watch TV all the time to see what new shows are out there, or if there's a book I could do a game about. So yeah, that's interesting. So what's been the most successful one that you've worked on? Um, Who wants to be a millionaire was phenomenal. Uh, it came on a Friday night. I'd been reading about it in the Sun newspaper all week. I thought this looks really interesting. And it came on Friday night, and I could not sleep all weekend. And I said to my partner, Tom, we have to get this. I called Celador Monday morning, and I spoke to the guy, Paul Smith, the owner. I said, I want to make a game. He said, but it's only been out two days. I said, this is the greatest game. He said, well, where are you? I said, I'm in Ipswich. He said, well, can you come down this afternoon? I said, I'll be there. And I went to London that afternoon. And within two weeks, uh, he gave us the world rights to who wants to be a millionaire. So, Crazy. So, so he must have seen something in you that he liked. I mean, people don't just hand over no, the rights, do um, they? I think the, the fact that I'd worked on Trivial Pursuit for eight, ten years yeah. really helped. Yeah. yeah. So you had a bit of a backstory. Yeah. But ha have you found it, is, is one of your gifts being able to win confidence of people? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm pretty confident. I can speak to anyone. Um, and if I feel comfortable in the board games industry, I've been doing it now for 35 years. So, yeah, I think I know most what a licensor would expect and also what the family would expect, um, what makes a good game. That's interesting. And, and how do you, when you conceive an idea, yep. how do you develop that? Do you try it out on yes. family and friends? Yeah, my poor, my, my boys, my <laughs> wife. Anyone, I say, look, I've got this idea. Let's try this out. And, and if I like it, then I um, speak to the team and then we get our designers to work it up, see how it looks, price it up in China, invariably, and, um, and then we present it at Toy Fair. And fortunately, if people like it, then it gets developed. But you must have had what you thought were some great ideas that have not gone anywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a room full of ideas that are just yeah some are not that great. Uh, we've had some. Uh, there was a TV show once, um, a new game show. We had to pay a hundred thousand pound advance for it. We thought it was going to be great, and um, they pulled it after three shows, and you don't get your money back. That's so. interesting. Well, it, it's. I can see parallels with, say, um, good songs. Yeah. Because how often, don't they, people write a song, it yeah. sits somewhere for some months, maybe years, and then mm -hmm. suddenly it's released and it's like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah. It must be similar. Yeah, that You very just don't much. know. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, and, and in your head, are you... I mean, I'm asking the questions today, but in your head, are you always thinking of quiz questions and yeah. trivia? Uh, at the moment, um, I'm working for Tomy. And I'm developing new games as follow-on to the Logo game, which we invented, which is a top adult family game. So I'm looking at new ways to develop Logo. So I'm writing a game on Logo, chocolates and sweets. And so, you know, I might ask... I, I have to do so much research, you'll find me in Sainsbury's up and down the aisles looking at things. And even little facts like, um, you know, Smarties. 
Uh, all different colours. There's one Smartie that has different flavoured chocolate. And you go, which one is it? It's orange. It's always been like that. But these little facts people are not that familiar with. And um, so it's going to be a good game. Or I might show you a card with, say, four chocolate bars, but without the wrappers. So it's just a, yeah, so I'm constantly writing. That's I bet you're fun at a dinner party. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you want me on your quiz team as well. <laughs> Never known to fail. But it, it must be great for you because there's, there's this continual fountain of information and trivia that it just keeps you going, doesn't it? Yeah, I love, I love nothing more than um, going to the office, sitting down, thinking, OK, today I'm going to write, I don't know, 50, 100 questions on this subject and researching. But researching, but then finding an unusual way of writing a question. Like, I had to write some questions for NASA. And I looked at the info, and it was really dry. And then I thought, hold on, their telephone number in Florida. So the question I asked was, um, if you want to phone NASA and book yourself on a flight, what is the, air, what is the three-digit area code for Cape Canaveral? And it was three, two, one. So I thought, oh, great. So you just find unusual little facts and try and make them into an interesting question that you, you, don't, you never want a question where people go, oh, I don't know. You want them to try and think and work it out. How has that process changed, though? Because we all know what it's like when we don't go back that many years and, and you would have gone to books. Uh, I did. Or libraries. I mean, in my, in my Trivial Pursuit days, it was books. And my, uh, libraries, I was always in the library. Yeah. Nowadays, my goodness, the internet has changed the way I work. Yeah because, yeah, because everything's there. Yeah, yeah. So how does that process of verification work? You come up with a question. Yep. How do you then check? I have to source. I get three sources. Um, do you? Yeah, yeah, have to. Because if not, you all get letters. <laughs> we do get letters from people. Oh, you've got this wrong or that wrong. And hey, that's... But we try and minimise that. And especially nowadays, you really have to be careful... Because of the climate, um, you mustn't upset or offend anyone. I try and sometimes be a bit cheeky with my questions, but I have to rein it in a lot more now because you just have to be careful. Oh, it's on grounds of taste yeah. and everything. Yep. yep. Which, which is understandable, but maybe a bit sad that everything's become it's a, a shame. little bit safe. It's a shame. Uh, we've had to write letters to people say, look, it's only a game, it's a bit of fun. And send them some games to make up for it. But yeah, yeah, especially nowadays, every single question, I have someone else checking to make sure that, yeah, yeah we, we, can't, we can't upset anyone. It's only a game, John. It's only a game. <laughs> I love that. I imagine, I don't know if you do get fed up, do people come up to you and say, here, John? Like people say, here's a good joke, yeah. here's a good game. Does that happen? Yeah, very much. Um, we would get 20, 30, 40 letters a month. Um, and friends and friends of friends have good game ideas. But it does. I, I, I relish that. I love looking at any idea. Usually only, you know, with the experience I have, it takes about a minute or so to see if it's worthwhile. A friend of mine, though, on our way to Old Trafford uh, one day, we're Manchester United fans, came up with this card idea. We played it, we tested it, it's now on sale, and, yep, he gets royalties every, every month, so that's lovely. So it does happen. If, if the idea is good, we'll look at it. And you know how... If you look back over the years, we've had games like, let's say, Monopoly, games that have really stood the test of time, Scrabble, the basic ones. Does that still happen or do you find that actually the the demand, the appeal of a game is lost much quicker these days? Very much. Um, A game 
new good games last three, four years. Although saying that logo, I invented, what, 10 years ago and that's still going strong. But to find another Monopoly or Scrabble is, is difficult. Yeah, but I, I don't think that would happen nowadays, no. Is that because generally as a nation we've got less our attention span as very much so really yeah very much so and our games now whereas monopoly and scrabble would take an hour or so you now we now look at games that take 20 25 minutes yeah and we're looking for a little 20 minute slot on boxing day for the family to get round and play quick sharp yeah no lengthy games anymore I, i i can't look at things that take over an hour or so Wow, that's interesting, isn't it, how things change? Um, you're listening to the Suffolk Money podcast, supported by Kingsfleet, and I'm with John Mariani, who, um, as you probably gathered, his whole life is board games. Is that, that is right, isn't it, John? That's Your whole true. life is that board is, games. What, is. what do you do when you're not making um, I have, ideas? I have uh, three boys, so we have various interests. Of course, football is a big interest. Uh, we're all Manchester United, apart from Harry, who supports Derby County. Why? I don't know. Um... <laughs> And, I mean, I love Suffolk. We, we go up to Thorpe Ness and Alborough a lot. Um, we have a place in Alborough, so weekends are spent up there. And where do you, where do, you do your best thinking time? Oh, you know, it can, be, it can be sitting on loo in bed. I remember with Logo, the name, I woke up in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, went, oh, my gosh, Logo, yeah. And I got up and I scribbled it. It can come any time, but... I am constantly thinking. I'm always questioning myself. Well, how could I do this differently? So it can come at any time. But you have always, you've always got new ideas. And so looking sort of to the future, you still feel confident that the ideas will keep coming. You won't hit that bit where, you know, like writer's block, where suddenly it's like, oh, hang on. (laughs) Yeah, there have been some occasions, a few years, where we didn't bring out many games because we just, yeah, you can't think. But at the moment, I feel... Feel really good, and and I know that we can look at something trivial and just bring it out in different ways. And but there is pressure, though. You have to bring out five, six new games a year, and the pressure to keep bringing those is a nice pressure. Though. I thrive on that. Yeah, but that, as you say, that's not easy, is it? Because you know, where do you mine? You can only <laughs> dig so deep, can't you? Yeah, but that's why TV is a great source. I do a lot of reading, a lot of all magazines, all the newspapers, just to see what people are doing, what people are thinking. Um, I, I might look at a children's programme and think, oh, OK, there's an angle there. Maybe we can do something for kids and, uh, yeah, constantly. But my mind works like that. Also, I've, uh, like yourself, I've... Uh, written this great football book um which i'm uh, trying to get published or i might self-publish yeah i'm always looking at ways to entertain but i have to have a really big wide open mind to suck all the ideas in and mash them around and then hopefully something comes out that's interesting isn't it interesting process tiring i imagine no, I love it. <laughs> I, I do. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, you know, my poor wife, when we're, even when we're watching TV at night, I'll always have a laptop on my lap, working, writing, thinking. Uh, I do switch off when I go up to Albra. But apart from that, no, it's just constant. It is constant. 
And it seems to me, um, I mean, you know, I, I watch quite a bit of television naturally, as you do, and it seems a lot of the old quiz shows, game formats that you thought had gone, they're coming back, aren't they? Is that something you're seeing? Yeah, very much so. Um, I think Wheel of Fortune came out recently. Uh, Deal or No Deal has been relaunched. A um, lot of good game shows. Those those classics I like. Unfortunately, there have been a lot of TV game shows recently that you look at them and think, oh, you can't justify spending 50000 60000 to get the rights because you know they're not going to last more than a season or two. Yeah. So it's a risk. Yeah. Um, a big part of this uh, podcast, uh, as you probably know, is we talk to business leaders, charities, community groups, entrepreneurs. And the one thing I'm interested from your position is, as an entrepreneur, which I think you are, um, if you were talking to a young John or a young entrepreneur, what would you say, let's say, three things are the three most important things you've discovered over your career about what it takes to find success in what is a hugely competitive world? Yeah, it's very competitive. Um, the drive that I've had, I think it's quite relentless. I will, I will if I look at something, I, I see no hurdles in the way. I just go for it. Um, work hard. You have to put the hours in. You have to look at the fine detail. Um, those are two, three. <laughs> just, just go for it. That if you if you really believe in something, well, they're saying that a lot of people come to me with game ideas they really believe in, and I can tell them it's just never going to work. Yeah. Um, you have to listen to people as well. You have to listen to people who are respected in the industry or whatever, just to make sure you are doing the right thing. But you have to have that drive, you have to work hard, and you have to listen. That's a tough one, though, isn't it? Because, as you say, if you do believe, yeah. the last thing you want to have is someone knocking you back. Because <laughs> you think, hang on a sec, what's wrong with you? I know, I've, can see I, it. I've encountered, uh, actually, two, but there was one really upsetting. He had this game, uh, local chap, and I said, it's just, it's just not going to work, it's not, not saleable. Didn't believe in it, remortgaged his house, took it to Toy Fair, spent money on an exhibition, and within a year it just he lost he lost, he lost everything and um he should have listened, really. Well that is a common trait, I think, isn't it? I, I was uh, reading a piece the other day about property and someone said that is the, the problem, the the hole gets bigger. Yes. And the builder or developer thinks I can see a way out of this. And they dig the hole even deeper. That's right. That's true. <laughs> so it's a similar thing, isn't it? It is very much so. Yeah. Um, but as you say, I mean, it's competitive. It's always been competitive, and and presumably that's not going to change in the in the games industry. No. Uh, there's good new companies coming up. Although it is harder for new companies to break through. Um, but you have these these younger guys. There are a few two games companies I know are very good, very talented young guys uh, coming out with new ways of thinking. To, um, to provide games to the newer generations. So we have to try and keep a young mind. I mean, which is great, because my, my wife says I have the mind of a 12-year-old. I'm not sure what she means about that. <laughs> yeah. I think I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's true, though, isn't it? Because we've seen so much, haven't we, with um, virtual reality, Gosh. augmented reality. Yeah. I suppose that obvious question, then, is can the traditional board game, i.e., four, six, eight people sit down around the table... Can that compete against what we're seeing? It still does. Every year, the, the figures are always the same. In lockdown, we had the busiest time ever. People were staying home, playing board games. 
There's always been worries in the past, like uh, when Wii came out, Nintendo, or it's the end of board games. But no, it's just it just carries on the same level. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, defies what you might think would happen. Yeah, brilliant. There's one thing I want you to do because when we came in, you were giving me the grand tour, which was lovely, and I was really taken by your room where your books are. Right. So, <laughs> will you take me in there? Of course. Because that you said is where your ideas come from. Yep. Can we go and have a look at of that? Of course, absolutely. Come on, let's go. Yep. So here we are, John. Uh, what do you call this? Um, I call it the book room. Because <laughs> I, I have about three, three and a half thousand books. <laughs> I just can't get rid of them. I love wow. them. Wow. Well, yeah. and we were saying now most of the research is on the internet, but there was a time. There was a time, and that's hence my, my books. Um, I don't buy so many now. I'm not allowed to buy so many now. Um, in fact, I tried to, when we moved house, I tried to, my, my wife said, look, we need to give some away to charity, and... I managed to give six, <laughs> but worse than that, when I was in the charity shop, I came out with two. <laughs> so, I'm glad it's just not me. That's yeah, fantastic. I love books. Um, yeah, and you was, and this was where I think going back a bit, your dad used to make wine. My in My dad used to make wine in this shed. It's uh, it's lovely. I remember uh, many years ago, um, we, we used to have a container from Italy arriving with like 40 pallets of grapes and oh it was crazy times but we we made all the wine in here it was lovely fantastic can we go and have a look sure absolutely as you can see uh this is just some of the collection I've got another wow thousand to sort which we're <coughs> trying to do another room next door full of books uh, and that will include your book as well. Oh, how yeah. kind Absolutely. of you to plug that I for me. I need you to sign that for me as well. <laughs> but, and, yeah. And just to paint the picture for the uh, listeners, so we've got, well, racks upon racks of books. Are they in any order? Yeah, they are. Are they, they are. really? Yeah, they are. Oh, well, that's um, good. I love antiques and art. So I have stamps here, art, glass, porcelain, Manchester United. I've got about three shelves of books, um, general British history, Trivia, children's trivia. Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely sitting here. Do you have a favourite book? No, I, I just... Everyone, <laughs> everyone... I try to explain to my wife, everyone means something. I have some old books that when I first worked on Trivial Pursuit, like the Chronicle of America, there is when I I bought it. I haven't owned it since, but it means something because I, I wrote that game, Trivial yeah, Pursuit. And, yeah. yeah. So there's a tie to every single one, isn't Absolutely there? Absolutely there is, yeah. And if we go round here, I'm just going to have a look at these postage stamps of the United States. It's a bit nerdy, some of Stamp catalogues. No, they're not nerdy at all, John. <laughs> world paper money, world coins. Oh, this you see, this is fascinating, this. World War II remembered. Railway picture postcards. You see, this is stuff, isn't it? Glass. German enameled glass. I'm just intrigued. Sport, there'll be a lot of sport in here, won't there, John? Memoirs of Thomas Buick, the watercolours and drawings of Tom. I mean, this is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, does, does it does it still give you inspiration? Must do. Oh, it does. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I'll. Uh, it helps me with research because I I do sometimes will grab a few books and write uh, find some facts. I've got all the Encyclopedia Britannicas, so I can take a Britannica out and just spend an evening just writing questions from it. Um, I've got a whole selection of board games up there as well. But no, they're very inspiring. Yeah. And, you know, whenever I see a bookshop, I have to go in. It's, it's what it is. It's my love. I think because for, for, I say, our generation, you know what I mean, but I think it was the way. And you mentioned Encyclopedia uh, Britannica. I yeah. mean, that every house had one. Every and house. And now you go up to the 
recycling, and you see them in I the know, tip. It's such I mean, it breaks your heart, doesn't it? It is such a shame. Uh, yeah, that's the way of the world. But no, for me, uh, there's nothing better than sitting down and just looking through a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my father always said to me when, if you didn't know something, he'd say, go and look it up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> With the internet, you just don't need to, do you? you no, know, you don't need to. There, you but... really don't need to. Yeah. So um, tell me about the future, because it doesn't sound like things are slowing down any time no, soon. Not at all. There's games upon games to write. Um, this year, I've got uh, one, two, three, four games... And I'm looking like 6,000 questions um, between now and, say, July, August. Um, then, no doubt, we'll need to develop two, three more games. So, continuous. So, it's unrelenting. Yeah. Um, but you cope with that okay? You enjoy I, that pressure? I do. I, I work better under pressure. Um, whether that's good or not, what I'm doing to my body, I don't know. But I, I love it. I really love it. I... <laughs> I have such passion and enjoyment. And it's lovely when you develop a game, you write questions, develop the artwork, sell the product, and then see it on the shelf. That's great. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a few seconds to think about this because I I love little bits of trivia as well. Right. And my favourite one when people say, what's your... I say, there are so many connections in the human brain... Right. ...that if every house in the world had a phone and all those phones went to a central exchange, there still wouldn't be as many connections as there are in the human brain. No way. No. Now, that's good, isn't it? Oh, my word. <laughs> no, I can't. Oh I'm sure it's in a book here. I can't vouch for that. Yes. But it's one of those ones that when I heard that, I thought, so is there what, what's the one that kind of gets you that little bit of trivia? I mean, I've been writing about logo chocolates and sweets, so I can tell you that, um, well, I can ask you, uh, which chocolate product uses the most hazelnuts in all the world. Most hazelnuts in all the world then end up in this chocolate item. Well, I would... 25% of the world's hazelnut supply. I would have to say something like Topic. Ferrero Rocher. Really? Absolutely. They take 25% of all the world's hazelnuts. Yeah. That is extraordinary. Yeah. Well, you could go with that one at the dinner yeah, party. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do, I'll do the brain one. Yeah. You could do that one. Yeah. And do do things now. I mean, you mentioned that you've been doing the toy fairs. Yeah. Do things still keep going? Yeah, at a they're very, pace? very, very busy. Uh, we still have to finish new products ready for shipping in July, August to all the retailers. So yeah. Yeah. And then from like May, July onwards, it's quiet. It's busier for the salespeople, but for us developers, not so busy. No. Okay. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you, John. And likewise, uh, I would say. Fish and chips, yeah. board games. I yeah. think you made the right choice, didn't you? Um, no, I think I did because this allowed me to travel everywhere. Fish and chips would have been a great business, but I've seen so many beautiful places. When I worked for Trivial Pursuit, our head office was in Barbados and the Caribbean lapped up against the wall of the office uh, to experience that. And whenever I had to go and visit writers in other countries, Trivial Pursuit, having been the success it was, they the hotels and places like this. It's just amazing. Very fortunate. Wow. Well, John, keep on. Thank you. Keep on. What do I say? Keep on being creative. Yeah, keep on I will. having those moments of brilliance I in the will. middle of the night. And um, long may it continue. Thank but you so much, It's lovely talking to you. Lovely. Thank you.
So that's entrepreneur John Mariani from Ipswich talking to Kevin Birch about his passion for board games and for trivia. And I'll definitely be using the line about hazelnuts as my latest conversation stopper at parties. That will make me even more interesting. Thanks for listening. And please do make sure that you subscribe to our podcast by going to our website at suffolkmoney.co.uk or to the podcast provider of your choice. And you can get the very latest episode if you ensure that you register and follow, and then it will always make sure that it's updated for you to listen to the very next one that comes along. Also, while you're on there, if you could give us a five-star review, that would be amazing because then it enables other people who have the same interests, who enjoy finding out about Suffolk, to then be able to find out much So as ever, my thanks go to this amazing team who put this whole thing together. That's uh, Joy, Sally, Leslie and Kevin. And until the next time from me, Colin Lowe, it's goodbye for now.